Welcome to Workplace Community Connections. I'm your host, Charlotte Stevens. We are all part of different communities, families, friends, and professional groups. This podcast focuses on the communities of which we are a part in our professional lives, our workplaces, and our business communities. My guests will share their insights into strengthening workplaces, enhancing engagement and satisfaction, and building relationships to carry us all forward together. You will hear from human resource professionals and business and nonprofit leaders who strive every day to make our workplaces and our communities stronger, better, and more connected. So let's get started with today's guest. With me today is Diane Darling. Diane, welcome. I'm glad you can join me today. It is such a pleasure to be here, Sharla. So tell us a a little bit about Diane and what you are doing these days, and then we will launch into our topic, which is the interesting world of ChatGPT. What I'm doing these days is uh, continuing to help people network and communicate. I'm actually right now writing a talk on how to deal with difficult people. So we have all kinds of layers of working on this with different uh, different situations, how we connect, how we build relationships, what's changed since COVID, what's the same. So uh, during the past, I would say year or so, I've noticed that you've been out there speaking and writing on the topic of GPT, chat GPT, and I'd love to know how you became interested in it. I became interested in it when I was asked to give a speech for a conference and or a, a chamber rather. And they said, this was the hot topic. They, first of all, just said, can you be speak? We know you're a great speaker. I said, sure. What's the topic? And they said, chat GPT. And I'm like, well, I've been playing around with that. And so I became interested in it because is it a time saver? Is it a job killer? What are the different ways that you can use it? Are there ethical things? When I teach networking, I actually, for a long time, have included a section about ethics and networking. You know, do you say, hey, Charlotte sent me over and when someone's going to then say, hey, Charlotte, Diane suggests I talk to you and you're going to say, Diane, who? That, that means the person isn't particularly ethical. So it's it versus I saw Charlotte speak and she mentioned Diane knows about networking. That's different. So I think this is, this is opening up lots of um, good opportunities, some scary ones, and a lot of unknown things as well. It's interesting because we hear about it and we read about it in bits and pieces. And and I know I have over the last few months. And and those are the kinds of questions that keep coming up. What is it? What can it do for you? Are there ethical problems associated with it? Is it actually effective? So so, so let's dig in. What is ChatGPT and how do people use it? So ChatGPT is under the umbrella of artificial intelligence or AI. AI has been known for around for a long, long time. For whatever reason, this tool, ChatGPT, it's PT, not BT. I've, when people say it fast, sometimes it, those <laughs> letters get confused. Is a part, you can, you can get it online. There's also, I don't know that I would call it a competitive product, but out of Bing, which is Microsoft's uh, web browser. And these are tools where you can give it what's called a prompt such as I need to do, uh, write a job description for a bookkeeper for a small business of under 50. That's one of the great ways to use it. If you're in HR and you need to write job descriptions, I know somebody who's a jeweler in Maine and she says, write a job description for green earrings that I made out of sea glass. Bing, she gets the description. So it's really only, it's garbage in, garbage out. Having said that, I think if you give it, a good, clear prompt, 
such as write this job description. It will spit that out. And then to me, it's the crucial part, you edit. Depending on ChatGBT to write a Shakespeare-level novel is not necessarily realistic at this point. Now, I'm, I understand that there's some tools that say write it in the, in the pattern of Shakespeare, write it in the pattern of Dave Barry, and chat is getting to that point, which I think is what's scaring some people. Is it going to get rid of writers? Is it going to get rid of artists? Because there's visual parts about this. What we're talking about right now is the written part, but there's visual AI tools as well. So one thing I, I, I read when looking at it at a very cursory level was that the more detailed the prompt, the better, because you'd end up with a better product or something that's more aligned with what you're looking for. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. So I've been using it to give me titles for my speeches. Write five titles of a speech about networking for uh, a CEO whose employees don't want to come back to work. Boom. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah, I, that gives it to me. When I did this example for this chamber, I said, write a, write a two to three paragraph description for a business plan about a pepperoni pizza. I wanted to eat that pizza by the time that's. <laughs> and the thing that's interesting about the, the Microsoft part about this is that actually Microsoft comes up with the, the, the original source. It footnotes it for you. So as somebody who comes from academia, I was a teacher. I really like that. And I can remember as a teenager, my father was a professor of political science. And more than once, there was a knock on the door as Dr. Darling here when a teenage daughter was answering the door. I don't know when this happens anymore for good reasons. But, you know, there would be a student who had plagiarized and my dad was failing them and they were not going to graduate from college. And it was like my grandma, my aunt or everybody are flying in. And my dad was like, you, you, you plagiarized. I have been very clear about this. And in most cases, he would let the student take an incomplete. And he was very specific. Do not open your diploma after you get off stage because it's blank. There's going to be no diploma inside of that. You're not leaving the stage with a diploma. So I can only imagine how this is impacting academia. But for where I like to go with it is what's that source? What's that source? I think there's an inner detective, a, a lost Columbo in me that wants to find the original stuff and go deeper. So is that the, the Bing version that will provide the, uh, the references? Because yes. I hadn't seen that in the, in the chat GPT, which is, as you said, sort of the competitor. So yeah. Bing actually footnotes for you or provides you the resource so you can go back and check it. Yeah. So I, I, I like what you said about the job description. Then you get a product and the, you edit it. And after you and I initially talked about this subject, I decided, well, I'm, I'm going to try it out. And I, I put in create a, a, an independent contractor agreement because I've probably written hundreds of those <laughs> in my career. And I that I think I could recognize something that is a good product. And within seconds, it comes spitting onto my screen, a basic independent contractor agreement. And it, it wasn't perfect, but hey, it wasn't bad. And, and I looked at it as this would be a good starting point. And then you would need to customize it for your state or, or the, the position and whatever the particular situation was. But maybe an easier way than just Googling independent contractor agreements, where then you'd have to go to each of those sites and, and look at them and read them. And it was so darn fast. And what it produced wasn't terrible. 
Exactly. So I get asked a lot, what's the difference between this and just Googling it? And I'm like, yeah. well, you get, you get more of a final product. You, you get kind of a mid product. You don't get it. When you Google it, you have to go then to these things and you download them and then you put them in Word and then you compare them, the documents and whatnot. This gives you something that is much more further along that you can work with and then edit from there. And I think the other part about this is it's the speed. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I, when I start Googling, the next thing I'm, I'm looking at knitting patterns and recipes I'll never cook and travel. martini recipes. I want to go to exactly. So I find that this keeps me much more focused on task. So when I gave this talk to the chamber, I did the job description. I said, I'm going to do three case studies being kind of from the academic mindset. First case study was the job description. Second case study was the business plan. And I said, and here's where it didn't work. Chat GPT, write a, write a joke for a chamber of commerce, small business audience. And the joke it came back was, why did the small business owner take a ladder to the bank? Because profits were climbing. Oh, yeah. So this is the moment that Stephen Colbert and all of those people who are David Letterman, all of the people who write jokes are they they're going to keep their jobs. So I. I think part of the fear that we're experiencing is, is the unknown. What job is this going to, and it may, it may, it may in a year or two do something absolutely amazing. When I, when I spoke to somebody about this this weekend, they told me that they asked the music version of Chappie GBT to take five Beatles songs and make a new song. Oh, wow. And that was chilling. Right. That was chilling. And so I think that there's so many different places. Now, the other big question, and you'll appreciate this as an attorney, who owns that IP? Because my understanding at the moment is that Bing or this, the company that owns ChatGPT, oh, I forget his name, OpenAI. OpenAI, yep. They, all, they would own that. So they are saying that they own anything that their platform creates. This is kind of like Microsoft saying, gee, you come up with an Excel spreadsheet and we own it, it which right. is not true because they didn't create it. It's the, it's the individual who put in the numbers and the spreadsheet, which is why all of that happens. So there's a lot of unknown. And I think this is what is, we don't, as a, as a world, we don't like unknown. We, we, we kind of like to know what's going to happen within reason. I mean, we all in theory know at some point we're going to go to heaven or somewhere else maybe, but, you know, in general, we know that's going to happen, but we have a general feeling of control or we can have some say. This feels like such a wild, not, where is this going? The other thing I did was I put my headshot in the visual, in the picture version of chat GPT, and it said this was a real person. Now, what if I had put my picture into Photoshop and I had given myself a smaller nose? And eyes that I really love, those deep set eyes or cheer a more colorful complexion. I don't know if you remember back in the day with um, OJ Simpson and there were two covers, Time Magazine and Newsweek, and one of the covers had darkened OJ's skin. I do remember that. That was a big deal. And time. that was a big deal as it should have been. Nobody thinks someone was going to notice that. So these are things that, I mean, there's, if you go to YouTube, you can find what does a model look like before and after a photo shoot. They take a picture of a beautiful girl, woman, and then they tweak the eyes. They take out the freckles. The photoshopping has been really, this is the pre-AI. 
probably wasn't as fast, but right. I, mean, I mean, you can almost even say that Microsoft Word is a version of AI. I mean, you can cut and replace words. And I use a tool called the script right now for some of my work and you can cut and paste the audio the way you can Microsoft Word. So I think there's just a lot we don't know, which is why we need to have the human being saying, here's some policies, here's some guidelines, best practices. One of the issues I think that, that creates the fear is the, the lack of knowledge of how it works. How does it, how does it come up with this product based on what you ask it to do? And without, without getting too technical, I mean, what's your understanding of how it works and how, what it was created to do? My general understanding, and this is real general, is that the open AI is more of a search of Google and finding things and pulling it together. Whereas Microsoft's, they've kind of come up with their own library or their own sense of where they're going to pull information from, the intelligence from. Now, I, I, this is more just riffing, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have not looked that up, but that's when I watched, it was 60 Minutes about a month ago when 60 Minutes did a whole special on this artificial intelligence. That's the direction you got. I think you're also good news is there's grownups in the room who have invented these, but grownups also know the downside of these. And they want to be sure that the products and services that they are creating do have some either checks and balances or some guidelines on best practices. I mean, I remember back in the day, Steve Case, who had started America Online, AOL, didn't see any issue with chat rooms until his kids were teenagers and started getting trolls, you uh, know, yeah. going after his kids in rooms, trying to solicit them for a behavior he did not want his children to participate in. So I think that it's good that we've got some adults in the room with this. And I think it's very good that the people who have started this, if you will, seem to be very open to challenge us, guide us. Let's create a consortium, government or the, the competitive industries together saying, here are some best practices. The way we have safety in bridges, the way we have safety is in highways, airlines. Yes, the airlines compete, but you don't. JetBlue wants to know that there's going to be some guidelines in airlines, that's the same as as uh, Southwest, let's say. And I, I, for example, recently sideline here met the CEO of JetBlue, and I asked, would he consider serving stopping stop serving alcohol in the exit row seat? Because you get on a plane and they uh -huh. say willing to help out with an emergency, and then they serve them alcohol. Right. I'm like the pilot's not drinking, the flight attendant's not drinking, and yet you got someone who's three sheets to the wind in the in the front seat in the in the exit row seat sit anywhere else. You just don't have to sit in the exit row. I mean, and he, he wouldn't entertain it, but oh, yeah. I thought we had interesting things. So I think there's ways for the leaders in this organ, in, in this technology to say, listen, I want to have a leadership role also in best practices. So one thing you mentioned early on in our discussion today was, was policies. And have, have you, have you seen any policies or do you know the areas in which policies maybe have been developed around the use of chat GPT in the workplace or maybe in, in the publishing industry? Have we gotten that far where people have actually developed them? I think we're getting, so I know that I think it's the city of Boston recently was their employees were allowed to access it on comp and government computers. I spoke to somebody recently 
And there, the Bar Association is looking at creating policies for their attorneys. You may or may not have heard about the attorney who went in for a case and depended on ChatGPT and the cases weren't even real. So, yeah, that's a perfect example of of something to talk about where attorney wrote a a brief for a memorandum of law and cited some cases that they had obtained through the use of ChatGPT, GPT, and lo and behold, the, the cases didn't even exist. And I was like, okay, note to self, if, like, at least read the cases that you're citing them. I mean, we still have our own ethical obligations and, you know, professional obligations to, to, to do a good job and not have ChatGPT do the work for us, similar to what you mentioned in the academic environment. Yeah, I mean, and if the if the if the cases existed, did it get overturned? Has it been? Has there been any change? Yeah, to it? there's. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I teach them how to communicate, but I, these would be some fun. They, I teach them how to get not get along, but I teach them how to how to know what's happening. Do you have your ear to the ground, or is somebody else going to eat your lunch? Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 is fascinating, and of course, we've also seen it in the academic context where. You know, some of the professors will say they they can tell, and I don't know if they're bluffing or not. They can tell if if a product or work product was created through use chat GPT or well you know, tra- traditional research models. Yep, yeah, I mean when when after more than one kid came to the door, Doctor Darling, can I can I talk to you? I I said, Dad, how can you tell? And he said, Well, there's you get to a point as a professor, you know what a 22 year old is capable of writing and producing, and what they're not. The most egregious one was when they plagiarized him. I mean, and that happened <laughs> more than once. There is, from what that's I understand, not brilliant. No, that's not brilliant. Yeah, if you're going to copy, if you're going to copy somebody as a paper, maybe not the professor. I think there is another tool that is out there now where you can put in documentation and a, a, a term paper and say, has any part of this been done with ChatGPT? So I would say if I was a student writing a paper, I would say use Bing for this part, use ChatGPT for this part. And so when it goes to that scan, because there's going to be scanners now or something that's going to be able to tell this any more than when you go into a scan at an airport, they can tell if you're wearing a pacemaker or you've got a gun in your bra. So there's just different things that are, I think we're, we're going through those rounds. This is a bit of the wild west of this at the moment. And I think this is why people are both excited and terrified. I don't feel like I'm that old, but I don't remember something that we've grasped the way we've grasped GBT and discussed it in, in the space that we are doing. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I found interesting was the way it, it creates any product. So quickly. I mean, no sooner do you finish typing in the prompt and the words are coming up on the page. So in terms of advantages, I could see it as such a great time saver. Um, I asked it to do a bio for me. I mean, that was one of the first things I did when I first heard about it. And I, and it, there's enough information about me in the public forum that it actually wrote a pretty good bio about me. I mentioned it to somebody one evening, she's a little wanting to do more speaking. And so she was asking me for some guidance on how to become a professional speaker. And so I said, well, let's start with your bio. And I figured, let me find out what chat says about her. And so I got a bio and it sounded okay. And she says, yeah, this is about half wrong. So I said, well, that's ah, the information yes. out there about you. So it said she had invested in some companies that maybe she had or not. So maybe somebody said she was an investor when she either was or wasn't. 
So I think it's one of those things you're going to want to kind of keep your eye on about what it says about you. I keep a Google alert about my name when it's every right. so when I, you know, find out about other Diane Darlings, it's not a real common name. I, I have a little collection of them on LinkedIn. I've connected with most of them. And yeah, well, one, one of the things that I read and certainly have thought about and heard about is it relies on the internet, right? And we, and we all know that all the information out there on the internet is not actually accurate. Well, so that could be a little scary. It can be scary. I was, I used to be a school teacher and there was a parent who came in one day who was all kind of feisty. I can't believe what happens in your classroom. And I was not in a good mood. I said, I can't believe what I hear happens in your house. <laughs> I said, and that's the, what's the context? We're talking about a sixth year, a sixth grade boy. Right. Believe everything he tells you? Fine. I'm going to believe everything he tells me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that, that's a, that's a great, that's a great example. How about things like, does it filter out the inappropriate conduct, con content, excuse me, or maybe something that might be discriminatory or, or could you get that in response to, to a prompt? This is where I feel very cautious. I, yeah. I don't want to say, write me a racist thing about networking because I don't want that in my filter. I don't want that in my, my, yeah. in whatever is cut connected to this. I am very mindful of whatever I am typing is being transmitted <laughs> to the Googles and the Bings and in the world, everything and I store. Type. And stored, stored somewhere. Yeah, right. and stored somewhere. I mean, I have I have a virtual birthday. I, I don't have my own birthday online. I, I, I have my grandmother's birthday, which is a week off from mine. So people wish me happy birthday. It's around the same time. But one time somebody said to me, it was like, I forget that was uh, April Fool's. I said, oh, what, is it fun to have an April Fool's birthday? And he said, Diane, I'm a techie. I'm a nerd. This is not my birthday. <laughs> Nobody needs my birthday online. And I'm thinking, Wow. Right. I changed it right after that. But he says, Yeah, you look at July 4th, Valentine's Day, April Fools. He said, He said, There's just general birthdays that people who understand cybersecurity adapt. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I never would have thought of it. I've been doing it Maybe a long not, time. Yeah. So one of the things, obviously, we want to talk about is how this could be useful in, in the world of, of human resources. And you mentioned that the, the job description, I mentioned the, you know, independent contractor agreement, but it sounds like there's a, a lot more out there, at least that's being advertised as ways in which AI or chat GPT can be useful to human resource departments. Have you heard of any of that? And, and what do you think about it? Amazing. And one thing that you could do is you could use it as a way of help me write an email on for somebody who needs difficult feedback. And wow. I, I mean, I use it for talking points as much as, and so I, I use it, I'm a writer. And I, when I worked on my first book, I just locked myself into a cabin and threw away the internet key, internet, because I just needed to write back in the day. And this was, we had internet, but not the same way we do now. And I said, so, but I writing at a blank page, I, I saw Paul Simon interviewed and he has legal pads for all of his songs. He, he showed the legal pad about where yeah. sounds of silence. So I think there's, there is something tactical, I think for musicians and a lot of people to actually do the writing. But I, so I think you can open it up and I, I've got a difficult situation. How should I deal with this? I got in a fight with my kid. How do I 
there's other ways that you could use it. I got an employee who is running late. What, how can I talk to them about that? It almost could be kind of your, your coach, your kind of, your yeah. confidant there. Um, I mean, as then it goes up to Google. So, so much for confidentiality, but you know, you could have kind of have that to be a sounding board, if you will, or you could, and you can use it for research. We want to hire 50 people in the next two weeks. What, what are five ways for us to hire software engineers that I haven't thought about? You're not, you may not use every word I'm saying. Oh, but places we could go to source candidates. Yeah. So yeah. ask it for data points. I mean, as I'm doing this one on difficult conversation or difficult people, I'm, I'm opening my talk with what's the difference between a difficult person and a different person? Great and, question. And so that's a question I will ask ChatGPT. And then the client has asked me, will you come up with statistics on the cost of difficult people in companies? Oh, so it's higher turnover. I mean, we, we know these. Right, morale. Yeah, morale. But I want, he wants statistics. And then he said, well, not everybody here is difficult. I don't want people coming to this thinking, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> Am I the difficult? What I mean? So I, so we're going to open in the the promotion of this to the company. There's, uh, it's a sixty nine million dollar company, fair amount of employees. I and I've done, I do it in four time zones, so we grab it globally. We usually have about two hundred people in each session, and so part of what we're going to talk about is this is a tool that you may use at work, but you also may use it in the grocery store. You also may yep. use it in school. So this is a life skill that we all need to know is learning how to deal with difficult people. And then a micro part of that is what is a difficult conversation? So these are things that I will put into chat to get actual data points as well as uh, packages of words that I can maybe stitch together in my own way. But it has to have my footprint to, a thing I feel very grateful about is when people read my book or they hear me speak there, particularly obviously when they hear me speak, but even when they read my book, they're like, I feel like you're talking to me over coffee. You have a speech. It's not like I'm giving a speech speech, which even if I give a keynote, it's like, oh, I feel like I could actually sit with you over a couch and talk to you. Right, right. Which is a skill that you can't necessarily learn. Some of that is innate, having that ability. Yeah, it, but a lot of it is practice. So it's as we practice and we can, how can you write this? How can you write this? And then I'm going to close with what happens if you discover in this workshop that you are the difficult one? How do you <laughs> recover when you realize you've hurt people? And how do you begin to forgive yourself for this as a trait that maybe you haven't been enlightened to yet? Yeah, yeah, that, that could be some, some difficult stuff, tough stuff. One of the things that, you know, I, I, in reading about how it can be used in HR, I mean, other things that, you know, I've read or it could create a survey to put out to your employees to test in employee engagement or get, get a pulse on the culture of the organization. And then we get into some areas where the EEOC has, has written some guidance on about things like candidate screening and how maybe you may not you, you may not be 100% in line with anti-discrimination laws, or you may not be completely inclusive if you're using that type of a tool in order to screen candidates, either, you know, to, to review um, resumes or to conduct initial interviews or things like that. Um, thoughts about that? The equality part of this is just, where do we start, Sure. Yeah. Where do we start? Yeah. I mean, 
there was a very interesting creative person who asked the question, how are you privileged? And think about oh. different ways you're privileged. And so a couple of us said English is our first language. That's a privilege. Mm -hmm. I'm five foot four. I can fit in most airline seats. I wear a seven and a half shoe. There's usually something on sale. My friends yeah. who wear size 11s, there's nothing on sale because they make four pairs of those shoes because there's not a big market for it. Yeah. So I think we really, this is where the human intelligence, and I dare say this is also where in many cases it is the relationships we build. It's the networking we have. It's the person we can say, yes, ChatGBT got me to this point. I was recently screened out of a job I had applied for, and it was beyond laugh because painful for everybody when they found out that I had been screened out of it by the bots. And, and it really created a, a not so insignificant conversation about, is our company really getting who we need? It, it, if, if we're using some of these technologies as, to as this opposed point. to human. Yeah. To this point. And I think this is where it's okay for us to say, I do have a filter. I, I, I am a flawed human being. There was a woman who sat next to me at a networking event and you sat next to her and just dripping in jewelry and dripping in the St. John and dripping in the blonde bleached hair and all the rest of it. And the next thing she's mergers and acquisitions, she plays polo. I mean, you're like, oh, wow, didn't see that coming. I thought <laughs> I'll bleach with a martini and cabana boy, bring me another one. And very formidable person. And I kind of thought that's her game. She's having fun with that. She's enjoying the fact that nobody expects her to be uh -huh. in that role. Now, I don't know. I don't, I haven't talked to her enough, but it just was, it just was kind of interesting for me. There's a, a, a gentleman in the Boston area I see a lot and I'm always like, you are so dapper. You look so handsome. Every time I see you, you're in a suit. And I used to add an, I added an adjective to that which I don't anymore is he's black. And he said to me, Diane, a black man needs to wear a suit to be considered at the table. And wow. I thought, he's right. Mark, I would never say to Mark Zuckerberg, great, great t-shirt looks good. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. at the table. So I think we need to own our prejudices, our, our filters. And when I found out that, I just think we need to own that, Sharla. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, so how can we bring these two in together? to make this work so that companies, organizations, governments are getting the best of what they want to get from these HR filters and the people who maybe are potentials. Back in the day, Jack Welsh um, was interviewed at a conference in Canada and he was, I think he was a little less filtered because it was Canada. And, and he didn't quite feel. And so this, and the reporter went, asked questions that I'm not sure an American reporter would have. And one of them was, how do you feel about being called Neutron Jack in the press? And he said, I don't mind it at all because it's not true. And the reporter said, well, come on, you fired a lot of people. And he said, I did fire a lot of people is one way to look at it. The other way to look at about it that the press never told was when we realized that we needed a downsize and we were going to sell off different parts of GE, we gave everybody two years to know that. Two years, you have a job for two full years. You have a job, full benefits. He says, there was no way I was going to tell a 50-year-old who'd been at GE for his entire life that all of a sudden, guess what? You've got weddings, graduations, and you've got a month's severance and you're out of here. He said that was yeah. 
So right. he, told, he told HR to put people into three buckets. The, the stars, we want to keep you. you. You're great. You're the high potential talent. The people who were like, yeah, we're kind of not sure. If you're a machinist and we sell off the refrigerators, you're not going to have a job. But, you know, you're a good person. And then they had the people who were like, you know what, we're selling this off. You've been an underperformer. Sorry, it's not going to work. And he said the shock to him was the underperformer said, well, since I'm losing my job in two years, have you ever thought about doing this, 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 and this way? You'd save a lot of time and money. They felt free to talk. They felt free to talk. Raise ideas. Yeah. They raised ideas. The senior people, hey, I'm good. And some of them, they end up letting them go. Yeah. So I think part of what we need to have these, how can we use this tool for what it is good at? Now, I think there's two groups of people, people who are going to be terrified about chat GPT and never use it, or people who are going to understand this is a tool that is in the pioneer phase. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to dip my toe in the same way we have people who, there's few people I know who do not have a cell phone. I don't know that I know of anybody who does not have that phone. Yes. Times when I leave the house and I'm like, I wish I could leave the house and not have my phone. Right. I don't, I don't know what, when, when, I mean, for how many years did I walk around the world with no phone? It just, so I, how are we, how are we going to adapt this into society the way we've adapted the phone to think that does the phone control us? Do we, how do we use it? Things like that. Yeah. I, and I, and I think you raised some great points around things like communication, conversations around it, making sure people understand what's an appropriate use at this juncture. And that may change in the future. We're going to need to be adaptable around it. And, and like you said, I mean, I sort of dipped my toe in the water when I, I, and I thought, okay, I'm going to try a couple of things. Like you tried the business plan and the job description and, and joke. And I tried the independent contractor agreement. And then I asked it to plan a seven-day road, tri- road trip through Canada. I identified the three cities that I wanted to go to when it gave me ideas of what museums to visit, rent a bike here, do this here. And I thought, hey, this is a starting point. Am I going to book the trip based on that? No, but it gives me something to look at and a step forward where I, I had nothing when I started. And it's fantastic. I mean, I remember the days when suitcases didn't have wheels. I mean, that orders out of jobs, if you will. Is that going to change? I don't. So I think there's, I mean, travel. I mean, I was in the travel business. I would have loved to have had something like that. Ways. I just, I love my my GPS because I feel safer than I am looking down at a map. So where am I? Now, having said that, when I'm up in New Hampshire and Vermont and I go to, I drive up to Canada, I take a map because sometimes there is no cell service. Right. You know, so that, that will change obviously at times, but I think how can we look at this? And I think there's also so many different ways to use it. I'm not sure I would have thought about it from a travel perspective until you had shared your story. So I think as we talk, we can find different ways. The HR, I think, has an impact because we, it's human resources. There's a humanness to this versus you're taking a vacation and are you going to stop somewhere? You might want to say, I'm taking a vacation. I'm taking three musicians and they're going to tell you to which places to stop at for music versus a musician and I'm going to stop in museums. But when you find it. Yeah. When you're dealing with people's careers, I think, I think it's interesting to ask it from a human relations. What are the three top skills that people should know right now? 
and what's and and then go to the real research. I think it would also be to say have three people sit down at the same time, all good at Chat GBT. If you have three people sitting in the same office and you ask the exact same question, is it going to give you a different answer based on your history with Chat? I don't know. What These fun training or well, that would be a fantastic training to do in a workplace just to to say okay let's try it let's use it and let's see what we come up with and then have some conversations around what that means i love it i love it you know, yeah i when when i was talking with somebody and they're a coaching company and they were looking to bring me in to help with them do some different things and she said one of the reasons why she they felt she felt that they were such a good company was that they had brought on somebody who wasn't a match and when they let yeah. the person go, the person who was being let go complimented them on how they did the exit. Right, right. So I had a health provider who was moving and I really admired how do you exit out of a relationship? Too often we think about that has to be fraught, where in some cases it just has to be, this is, it's, it's run its course, we're all good. Well, no, this has been really enlightening and I think we have, we have a long way to go in terms of uh, Figuring out how to use it and um, making sure that we avoid some of those minefields that are out there. I really appreciate your having come on and very much enjoyed the conversation with you, Diane. It was my absolute pleasure and happy to come back and talk about something else sometime if you'd like. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Sure, right. Thank you for joining me today for Workplace Community Connections. If you are interested in subscribing to our podcast or learning more about Charla Stevens Consulting, please go to our website or email me directly at charla at charlastevensconsulting.com. Thank you for joining me again and have a wonderful day.